Welcome to the Pop Cult Podcast. Here are your hosts Ariana and Seth. This is the Pop Cult Podcast. I'm Seth. Ariana. And today we will be talking about a couple sitcoms. I guess they'd be sitcoms. They're TV streaming comedies. Yeah. Uh, We'll be talking about the recent Apple TV Plus show, The After Party, and season one of The Carmichael Show, which aired a few years ago. And we're going to start by talking about The Carmichael Show. Uh, We... Like, I'd heard of Gerard Carmichael, I think through podcasts. I think the first time I became aware of him, he was on a podcast, like uh, Comedy Bang Bang or something like that. Yeah. And they were talking about The Carmichael Show on NBC, uh, and it aired, I think, like 2016 to 2018 or something. Mm-hmm. And this just during a time where I don't watch sitcoms, like, I think I stopped watching sitcoms in the mid-2000s, <laughs> just because, I don't know, if you're not a child... Well, it's they also just, the fact that we don't really, like, had a... Te- we didn't have a, real, a television that we sat down and we, watched. We still had, like, streaming stuff. services. And yeah, things. but it, was, it wasn't really being streamed at that time. I feel like it was an NBC show that, like, they didn't even... Well, I think it was. I think they just didn't promote it. Yeah, that that, I was going to yeah. go to that. It wasn't really, like, heavily promoted. Um, and I just remember that... I think it was a podcast interview that featured uh, Gerard Carmichael... I'm just kind of like, oh, this guy sounds pretty interesting, but I didn't really pursue anything of his work after that. And then we recently saw um, on the count of three shoot, one two, or one two three shoot. Is that what it was? I think on the count of one two three. I'll hold up one. Oh <laughs> uh, no, we need I to know. double check. I know. We I want to be wrong. It was one of those like genericy kind of titles, right? Uh. On the Count of Three, that's what it was. Okay. Yeah. On the Count of Three, which was a pretty good um, indie movie that recently came out, was Carmichael's uh, feature directorial debut. Yes. And you can go back and listen to our review of that on the previous episode, uh, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Uh, and we, I was very impressed. As a feature debut, it was a pretty, pretty good start. Yes. It, I got the sense he really understood what he was doing. Um, and so that made me more interested in the sitcom I had heard about all those years ago. So we watched season one. Uh, it was a short, kind of a, it ran during the summer of 2016 as a yeah. test. It was only about seven episodes. Mm-hmm. And I guess it did well enough. They greenlit it. There's two more seasons, which to our listeners, we have not watched yet. Uh, but that may be something we do in the future and then come back and do a further review to kind of see how the show changed. Um, before we get into the specifics of the Carmichael show, what is your feel of just the American sitcom as a television genre in general? Uh, Both past, present. See, the weird thing is when I was a child and I watched sitcoms, I was more, I gravitated more towards the black-led sitcoms because growing up I was surrounded more with like brown and black people so i related to them more so So like moesha moesha was one i did watch dubbed funny enough sister Um, sister did you watch that sister sister i didn't watch as often i did watch moesha almost as religiously as one could um i think i've talked to this uh, with you in the fact that like when growing up i think i got really bothered at the fact that since i wasn't really following a show very closely you would just when it was on rerun, it was just so sporadic. They never did it like in order. In order, or you feel like, it was yeah. just out of order. But 
But I like in Living Color was one that I watched as a kid that I probably shouldn't have been watching as young as I was. I watched that one. Uh, Martin. Martin, I did watch as a kid, and then Living oh, Single. Living Single, I remember as a kid being like. Want, like wanting to have more of it but my mom like it was it was like later at during the mm. night so she's like no <laughs> uh the cosby show the cosby show i didn't watch a lot of i watched the cosby show a lot when i was but a kid. i yeah. always gravitated more towards them but now watching sitcoms there just seems to be there's always a lack of like diversity it was like as in the 90s there was like this big boom of like a different world that was different one, yeah, world yeah, 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 was yeah, one yeah. i like was just like I was highly interested in that. But uh, current ones, I feel like they're just all mostly like friend-based because of friends. Well, it, and because it, it's, it's it's almost like a cheap way of like not having children on the show. Workplace-based too, like yes. The Office, I yes. think. Yeah. So it's a way to almost like remove child actors because they're too costly. And, and they're not very good. <laughs> they're not very good, but it's also they don't want to pay for tutors. They don't want to deal with or have like twins that you have to move. Or like but, yeah. labor laws. I did remember as a kid, like I watched a lot of like Full uh, House. Full House. But it was this. Everybody watched TGIF. It was just yeah, it, but it was also like it was a love-hate relationship Full Full House versus Family Matters. I was just like. I'm okay with this versus Full House. I was just like, what the hell is going on here? And step by step, what a mess. Step by step. <laughs> it, it just like that. Miller Boyette, I, I think, for the production like they kept a lot of those. Trying to revamp the show in different ways. Oh, yeah. From the focus between the parents and the kids and to it, just the, the Urkel kids. show. Yes. Um, but yeah, sitcoms just. It felt, I don't know if maybe it was me becoming older, it, they just felt cheaper, they just felt like they weren't talking about anything important. Well, I mean, I realized we forgot the best um, black-led sitcom ever made for television. Which one? The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Ooh! Be- I mean, I don't think there is a better black-led show than The Fresh Prince. Like, a show that, I mean, I'd say as it got on in seasons, it wasn't the best, but it was still consistently funny, consistently yes. good. And now they, haven't they revamped it to a more Into like a, on Peacock, I think it was a very failed attempt at a dra- dramatic thing. I haven't watched it, and everything I've read about it makes me not want to watch it, because I feel like it lost the essence of what made that original yeah, show Yeah, I do so remember, good. like, uh, Prince of Bella was a big deal. Again, I watched that dubbed, and uh, it... Like, one of the episodes that did impact me when he does start talking to Uncle Phil about why his dad didn't want him. I related too closely to that scene. I can't really, I can't watch that scene now. How come you don't want me? <laughs> I can't watch that scene now without being like... It's, I mean, and it's a, it's probably the best acting Will Smith ever has done in his career. I've I never mean, like, seen him do anything as good as that. I think it's because it's also like he was young and it's just like as... Maybe some real personal experience But it's stuff, a, yeah. like, that's how I felt. Like, as someone who grew up with that, their dad or their dad like yeah. popping in and out i was just like yeah why doesn't he want me i know my background with sitcoms is i watched a lot of the things you were talking about we didn't watch moesha uh moesha. but that was upn and upn was such a weird thing yeah upn first. felt like it was trying to find their identity yeah. so they were bouncing back and forth because and- then they had it was like brothers in space or something it was about two young black men that were in outer space it was a sitcom yeah i like remember like I watched, jamie fox having a show yes on he on wb i think and then the uh, wayans brothers the wayans i watched brother that show, had a show yeah. and 
Like, but it just didn't feel like they knew how to solidify it or if it was just There was a lack of identity of like, is this going to be a wacky sitcom, a serious sitcom? Well, it felt like they were mimicking each other, but at the same time, you didn't know like who to cheer for. So I kind of tuned them out, but it was also like very men, you know, guys who are always dating, always flirting. And a lot of like, you know, a sexy woman walks by and like, ah, 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 hey girl. It's like, you don't have to do that every episode, guys. <laughs> like, it would be okay to just... Like, it was very yeah. like, confusing. Um, but yeah, sitcoms were just... They just felt cheap after a while. And so, I, for me, I'd say the most formative sitcoms for me were like Seinfeld. Yes. I watched that over and over and over. Yeah. And I can still watch it. Yeah. Uh, and things like The Simpsons is where you're getting into that, like borderline sitcom territory yeah uh but yeah modern sitcoms and speaking of the word modern modern family is a sitcom i like to point to as an example of what doesn't work for me is it's so bland and it like it has two openly gay characters who are raising a child but it doesn't seem to ever want to talk about it. And I can see someone wanting to go, I just want to make a show about families where we don't make it political or whatever. Well, but being yeah. gay in America is still political. Like, it's not something that... And it seems as though it's become more political in recent years, which is insane. Yeah, I mean, like, I do remember, like, the importance that was... I was interested in Roseanne, but my family didn't want to watch it. And it wasn't. it wasn't until later in life that... It was dawn upon me that people were like, no, this was an important show because they were showing like a poor family struggling and how she would joke around and how she's like, well, I'm going to send the wrong check to this, to the electric company. I'm going to send the water check to the electric company. Like, to get them bounce confused. It, get to them confused. Time, but then yeah. they also realize, oh, no, she was doing a good thing. So it's fine. Like, we just, we're going to give her like a pass. Well, she made a mistake. <laughs> and like, uh, but it was also just how it's showing the way that family struggled. And at some point, I remember like some executive, I don't know the name, had said that apparently we can't show people struggling because that's not what Americans want to see. And so... Well, I think she pushed for that up until, like, the final season where the show jumped the shark and went off the rails and was bad. It jumped the shark because it was bad and it wasn't good. And it was also the fact that, like... And then she became a psycho. She became, like... (laughs) It just... Like, fame was not good to her. But it also just showed, like, it was now they're saying we don't want to talk about the struggles of what human... Well, people are going through. Because, like, with Friends... How is the fuck is Rachel maintain helping How can they Monica afford that apartment? A, but she's a barista at a coffee shop in New York. Yeah, like, and it's. I think that's where sitcoms are at for me right now. It's not a reflection of real life in any manner, and no. so it's uninteresting to me. And so, mm-hmm. if you're gonna make a comedy show, I either want it to be very relevant or just make it so silly that it doesn't matter, like a Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is just so ridiculous. Yeah, but, but Cur- even then, it feels in more recent seasons. That's waning, and like I'm starting to get turned off by it a bit. Yeah, because the charm is starting to lose itself. Especially it's the same with, thing over and over with their like uh, sexual assault soldier teenagers. Yeah, that was a weird turn so in the most recent season. Awkward. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's very hard. And comedy is always such a subjective thing, anyway. Like what you find funny, another person might not, mm-hmm. and vice versa. I uh, a few years ago, we did a best of series about. All in the Family. And we watched about 30 plus episodes of All in the Family. Mm -hmm. Kind of going through each season looking at the highlights. Uh, And that 
kind of introduced you to Norman Lear. I'm sure, like the Jeffersons, you've heard of these shows. Yeah. And I know I like had watched them somewhat, but I'd never really done that deep of a dive. And I know that the Carmichael show definitely is inspired by the work of Norman Lear. He seems to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He seems to have noticed what Norman Lear did. Noticed there's an absence on television for that, and that's what he was trying to do. Yes. Uh, and so we only watched the first season, and we're going to talk about how I think. It doesn't necessarily pull it off 100%, mm-hmm. but I can see that he's trying. Yeah, and he's, I'm assuming, like, during this time he's young, so it's one thing that you're trying to do something new, but you, how much power do you have in yeah, the I mean, system to change it? The, his first show on a network, yeah. you can't push it too far. Um, what's interesting to me is that I've seen reviews calling that first season of the show bold for presenting political issues, but then I've also seen reviews... Um, that say it feels uncertain of what it wants to do. And I certainly felt more of that latter feeling watching of it where I was happy what they were bringing up, but I wasn't sure what he was trying to say about it. Before we get into the details, so the first episodes, the topics they cover are, uh, starting with the pilot, Mm -hmm. um, premarital cohabitation, so unmarried people living together. And that's kind of an ongoing thing through the show. Uh, protesting, particularly for civil rights. Yes. Uh, healthy eating. Yes. Uh, transgender youth. Prayer and guns. So you hear that, and that sounds like, oh man, this is going to be like a spicy show, but it really isn't. I didn't feel. Um. I mean, I I'm not saying that you're you're not like that. You're wrong. I think it's just. Considering the way sitcoms work, I'm not surprised they didn't push as far as they Mm could have. And I think it's also like this weird thing that they're trying to make all the characters still be lovable, unlike uh, All in the Family. All in the Family. Well, and All in the Family was the the main guy. Archie. Like Archie, like could be wrong in a very loud way oh, and yeah. versus in the Carmichael show like the dad is loud but at the same time the dad points out like some obvious like things he's obviously like a fool character yeah, you're meant he, to laugh at him a lot of times but he's but he's also meant to be relatable to an extent yeah like the example that we can put about like the eating healthy stuff like it was pretty like convincing when he just was explaining to his, to his son when his son is like I want you to eat healthy. I want you to exercise. You're not going to be able to, like, they're telling you to take this operation. You don't want to do it. And he looks at his son. He's like, I already went through a near-death experience. And I decided, fuck this. I'm going to live the life that I want to live. And you kind of understand that, especially, like, now nowadays that we're just, you. There's so much uncertainty. Uncertainty in the fact that we're going through, like, this, like, Exi- existential you, crisis existential yeah. crisis of sorts that you're kind of like, like well, global fuck it. existential crisis um but then then like carmichael's plea is sort of like i'm not done with you yet as a son and there is the shift which is very sitcommy but there's still an argument versus you know him giving this pleaful like monologue and the dad bowing down it's no they do have like an actual argument but I think it's sort of like they're dangling a line that they don't know how to do it exactly. Because nothing really feels like it gets resolved. It feels like we come to some sort of agreement and then just stop arguing. Well, it's like they he decides he's going to get the operation and he's going to like, which is a resolve. But I think it's 
sitcoms are so hard to even have a resolution because it has to be like this ongoing thing like it's kind of like cartoons where there is a problem but then suddenly the problem is never mentioned again everything just continues as it, w it was before everybody's still playing their same like stereotypes nothing really shifts or changes or impacts and i think that's one of my problems with sitcoms is that since the sitcoms especially um westernized slash american sitcoms there it's almost like they want it to go for infinity years example uh the simpsons, simpsons which is has going been, for infinity like, years apparently. has been going on for too long and because oh, yeah. it's going on too long they have to go back and revamp and then like talk about certain things like the people who make the simpsons now are pretty much no one that was involved in making the simpsons back when a lot of people consider it to be good so it's it's like an entirely different show, but featuring the same characters. Well, then you're you're also going to have that weird thing that, like, for one generation, these were the best uh, yeah. episodes. For another generation, these were the best episodes. And then for, they're never going to have a solid conversation of one thing because everybody has to play a trope. Well, I think a lot of American television is, like, a perfect example of capitalism. You talk about The Simpsons, I think of Law and Order, of just forever machines they're yes. forever money machines yes where it's just like we started this show it's popular and we're just gonna do it until enough people hate it that we're not making money anymore and that's the problem like for example with modern family that's been going on for years which i think it's done i think it ended oh i mean i would be surprised but i, have, I, I mean i don't watch it, it but, but it's like it you like they cling on about like there's this weird thing about i think the thing that kind of like irks me is almost like the revival of full house um there's never a moment where like hey these they no longer talk and now they're trying to build up the relationship it's no everybody's been talking for x amount of years and what a surprise you need to live with me because you're out of money but there's never a talk about well is their credit okay what's going on there's no one ever worries about bills. Yeah, sitcoms. like even like Shameless tried to do it, but it fell off the tropes on that because it just became ridiculous it at became the end a, of the day. The problem is a lot of them become soap operas. You talked about ongoing stories, and I thought the few shows, sitcoms that have attempted that, Friends, it just became a soap opera. Um, and it usually, whenever they want to have ongoing stories that bridge over multiple episodes, they become dramatic rather than comedic. And I think and people don't know how to make serialized comedic stories well or serialized dramatic stories that still have maybe like a humor. hint of comedy in it yeah. but it's always is their their thing is always going to be like them falling in love or marriage or having children is always a long story it's never like uh ross goes to therapy and uh, like confronts his inner or like inner homophobia about the fact that his ex-wife like left him for someone else like there's never like a sense of trying to make do better for no themselves growth. there's no growth there's no growth so there's the same thing over and over again like seinfeld it's a great thing but nobody ever grows and it's supposed to be like well you're everybody's despicable or like um always sunny in philadelphia there's never like they do have on ongoing storylines but it's never growth i would say with those shows well no, actually mac i would argue mac on always sunny is an example of the kind of growth I'd want to see in a sitcom of yeah, someone who he comes out as gay, and they didn't start out with that character as gay, but I think they realized along the way that they were still making this joke about him being in love with Dennis that eventually it had to come and, out to something. And I think that was smart instead of making it into oh he's a gay joke. They were like no, but what if the guy actually is gay? 
And because what like, if he's just in denial about it and we're going to tell the story of how he comes out? Well, I think it must have been something from the beginning because it's kind of, I think after a while it got awkward for the guy that played Mac because he didn't want to seem he was anti-gay. Yeah. He's, his mom <laughs> is a lesbian, yeah. was great, like raised by two women. So I think he got to the woman's like, no, Mac is yeah. gay. And I think that the episode where Mac comes out to his dad is a great example of how a comedy show can do those moments. Yeah. And it's not, it doesn't fall flat on its face. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of the Carmichael show, we had these episodes. Do you have an episode that stood out to you where you were like, that? they really got that one they did that thing well. Um, I thought when they talked about being transgendered, they actually, I thought it was very interesting the way that the child actor, yeah. like the storyline, he first, the the child in question first tells Carmichael, I'm gay. And Carmichael doesn't know what to do. He goes to his parents. His parents are like, it's fine that he's gay. And it's a big deal for him because his mother is very religious and his dad just is like uh, very masculine. So he's assuming that his parents are going to say no and then he's going to be in a conflict. And then he realizes like, no, it's okay. Goes over to the kid. is like, hey, you know what? You're gay. That's okay. That's fine. And the kid goes, well, you know what? I was actually testing you because I always do that to people to see if you're okay with me, with me being gay. Actually, I'm trans. So is the child a trans girl? Was that the idea? Because they that presented was, masculine, yes. but I think it was the child was presenting masculine because the community they lived in, it would be dangerous to well, present Well, it's also they female. love basketball. They didn't want to stop playing yeah, basketball. Yeah, they were doing things that we associate like, with masculine. But they were you know? just like, the child was like, I want to be a woman. I want to, tra- I want, I want to transition, but I don't know how to tell my mom. And um, Carmichael's reaction is not to reject him, but just left the kid on their own to just be like, I don't know what to do. Went to the parents and the parents were just kind of like like his own parents, not the child's parents. Carmichael's parents. Carmichael's parents kind of, and they're kind of confused until I think he has a conversation with his girlfriend and then it comes, he also- She's always the more open-minded character. And like, he also comes to the terms like, it doesn't matter that- all the thing that he's supposed to do was be a protector and a guide for this child. And I thought that one was handled very well. There are other ones that are handled kind of weak of sorts. Very clunky. But I understand where it's coming from because it's the, I, I think it was clunky because they didn't know what their audience was at that time. Yeah. And he's trying to reach a certain audience or teach a lesson, but at the same time, we don't know what was happening behind the scenes because as we've heard about television, they'll just be like, no, you're not writing this. You're not doing yeah, this. It felt very, because I know in real life, Gerard Carmichael has come out as bisexual. Yes. Uh, so I could tell that there was probably a lot of him in the show, for sure. I mean, there's segments that are clearly him doing stand-up bits. Yes, which is like a monologue when he's joking with his girlfriend about like All, all, all kinds of topics, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so... It, it definitely has that sort of first season-itis yes. where it's sort of, we have some ideas of what we want to be. We're not really sure how to do that 100%. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to kind of throw things out there and see what people respond to. Or it's also sort of like, these are the subjects that I would like to cover. And then this, you know, the writer is trying to do it as delicately as possible, but while not offend- offending the audience because, you know, it's... Probably old people with their televisions on, not paying much attention. And then the few people that are just like, representation, awesome. 
and not wanting them to, to stop streaming or stop watching yeah. because they said the wrong thing. Because I'm sure this just comes as no surprise to you, but I'm very politically radical on the left <laughs> side. Uh, so I think what? For, for me, huh? yeah. No. For me, when I watch something like that, I get mad because I want it to go further, but I do think I forget that it all, you have to work very stealthily and you have to slowly worm your way into people's homes when you're a sitcom that wants to really talk about those topics. Yeah, especially like being that he's a young black man with his own show. Yeah, that doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> doesn't happen often unless you have a certain power uh, behind you. So I'm pretty sure like it was like, I want to talk about these subjects, but then uh, producers might come with notes being like, but we need someone to play the devil's advocate or... The, you know, they had a gun one, and it was like, well, you need to have a pro-gun person there. Yeah, the gun episode was the one that was the murkiest for me. Yes, because it felt I like... I didn't know if he thought guns were good, or if guns were bad, or, like, I couldn't understand I what like he was trying to say. I watching On the Count of Three, it was obvious, like, he is not a fan of guns. He's not saying that nobody should have guns, but that people need to be responsible gun ownerships and understand, like guns are very harmful but in that one it was kind of weird because we had this whole thing that they thought that someone was coming into the house and stealing something so now um his mother wants a gun in the house in order to feel safe but it turned out it was like her ex daughter-in-law they're like oh tiffany haddish haddish uh, like stealing food um and then uh he in turn when he's in an apartment with his dad shoots his dad in the foot yeah so there's it, never yeah. a resolution. It's more just like, isn't this weird? Or yeah, it was sort of a, guns are very dangerous. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, I think we, we all know that. Uh, in terms of the performances, uh, you have Gerard Carmichael is certainly not the strongest. He's very Jerry Seinfeldian in that he's a comedian in his sitcom. Yeah, and he's surrounded he... himself by people who are better actors. Yes. Despite that, I think he has He's not more, bad. He's very charming. Yeah. Um, but he does have a very good cast. So his brother is played by a little Ray Howard for people who've seen like Get Out. And then I remember little I, we saw little Ray. Oh, and um, the Eric Andre yes. film. Uh, mm-hmm. Why can't I recall the name of it? It was that sort of fake uh, jackassy kind of movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with also with Tiffany Haddish who plays his sister, and but in this show plays his ex-wife. They're yes. divorced, mm-hmm. but they still live together. Yeah. Uh, they, I think they're the, the middle for me. I think the best performances in the show come from David Allen Greer and Loretta Devine. Oh, as the yeah. Parents. They've, like, they're are so the, good. They're, you can tell they are comfortable mm-hmm. where they are. And that is why you have Carmichael, when he's having a conversation with his girlfriend, go like, I'm going to go to my parents' house. Yeah, because the, yeah, the only two sets in season one uh, consistently are Car- Gerard Carmichael's apartment and then his parents' house. Yes. And, and the, so, on the, the gender episode, we go to a basketball court. But everything else is just between the two yes. houses. And so yeah. it's sort of like indicating that like when he's like, I'm going to go talk to my parents or I'm going to confront my parents about it. It is it is almost like the hint of being like, hey, guys, we gave you a few minutes of Carmichael and his girlfriend. But we got to go back to the people that are like obviously like, very comfortable. We know you this. want to yeah. see these characters. And like they are like they're funny. Um, I mean, they're veteran so, actors. They know what they're so doing. They're so lovable. Like, even when they're like have the worst views on yes. something. <laughs> even when you're like, I don't agree with you, but like the dad being like, um, yeah, there's a gun in his house, and his mom's like, no, there isn't, and he's like, he flips over like a, a framed picture, and it's, it's not even a safe; it is just a hole in a wall yeah. where he keeps the gun. 
and um, everybody's horrified. Or like my favorite moment was like um, his girl, uh, like Carmichael's girlfriend, saying that she's gonna go to a protest. He's like, whatever, it's not a big deal. But then the mom goes to go protest with her. But the dad thinks protesting is dumb. No, he's just like, don't go protesting. And he's or like, like, it's no. dangerous. No, he's like, she looks too sexy when she's protesting. Oh, so yeah. he's mad about it. <laughs> he's like, attract, more attracted to his wife. And he's like, you can't go protesting looking like that. Uh, <laughs> then I think the weakest part of the show is Amber Stevens, who plays Gerard's girlfriend. Because she sounds like a theater kid. The majority of the time. And it's that's why I'm interested in watching further seasons, because I'm wondering, is she the weakest part, or is she written that way? Because she has to be the voice of reason, and the voice of reason is rarely ever the funniest character well, in a show. I think they did, like, at the beginning, she is kind of grating at the beginning, but later on... She gets some, sillier. She gets sillier, and I appreciate when she becomes sillier. Like, I love the fact that she is, she tells Carmichael that she just, all she wants to do is kind of be accepted. And at some point, they do start, like, making fun of the fact that she's biracial. So, because the dad was like, she's black. Like, confused. Well, yeah, yeah. When she goes, well, you know, as a black woman, (laughs) he's like, your girlfriend's black. (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm like, that's very funny. And, like, but they're like, but there's, like, when she becomes this awkward person that is when she shines the most like my favorite was when like with the transgender issue the kids at at the apartment and she's like i have baked you some cookies and bows yeah it's that sort of the way like privileged people will sometimes not know how to act around like a marginalized person yeah and then carmichael he like is like why are you acting so weird and she tells him that she is has a fear of children but she uses like the actual psychology word for it and he's scared for a second thinking that she meant that she was a pedophile oh yeah and that was she's like pedophobia and then she's like no i'm scared of children and so now for the rest of the show he's like and my girlfriend's afraid of children like he's just like and well i like how his mother seems to be hears that and is resigned to the fact she's never having grandchildren (laughs) because her oldest son is divorced and is a loser and then Gerard's girlfriend doesn't want children, or is afraid of children. Yeah, so, so she's yeah. like, she's going to drop the baby. She's going to yeah. hurt the baby. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to have to raise them. So it's it's a good, found, or I'd say decent foundation, yeah. but it's enough that it has me intrigued to see what happens next. Mm-hmm. And so we'll probably hear in the future when we get a chance to watch like the next season, I think doing a follow-up would be something fun to see. Does he become more confident? Does he go deeper with these topics he brings up? Or do we just kind of stay in this, I don't want to offend anybody territory? Well, it's also this interesting thing, as you said. Like, the show was never canceled. He decided to end it. Yes, that is true. Which is a big, big thing. And then, like, it also shows the fact that, like, from his movie uh, On the Count of Three, Tiffany Haddish is in it as his girlfriend. He also produced a short-lived sitcom for Lil Ray Howard as well. So it just shows that, like, they stayed connected. Yeah. And Little Ray Howard even sh- shows up on Z-Way uh, in that interview. And he turns out to be, like, a delightful personal, yeah. like, person. Where he's like, no, I produce shows for black women yeah. and talks about civil rights. So it's, like, a good group of people that he surrounded himself yeah. with. Yeah. So if you have any thoughts on the Carmichael show, we'd love to hear them. It's one of those shows that I never heard anyone talk about it while it aired. Yeah. And it just is so strange to me that... 
I mean, I guess it makes sense when we have a media landscape as saturated as it is all times that yeah. little things slip under the cracks. Well, like, you it's know? hard to like want to cling on to it, but it's one of the it's one of the few shows that we saw that was majority uh, black cast that wasn't about black pain or like <laughs> or, or stereotypical horror, portrayals or like of a yeah, horror, yeah, yeah. Uh, like sitcom about black pain. Like there's Atlanta and then there's this, and you're you're not gonna feel feel completely shitty after yeah. you watch the series. <laughs> And we're back. Uh, we're going to be talking about The After Party, uh, which aired, I guess aired is a weird word to use on a streaming platform. Streamed, Streamed on um, Apple TV Plus back, it dropped I think in January of this year. Uh, and we didn't watch it at the time, but it was something I heard about later. Uh, it's an interesting premise. It's when a high school's reunion's after party ends in death. Everyone present is a suspect. A detective, played by Tiffany Haddish, so it's a Tiffany Haddish-themed episode, yeah, Uh, grills the former classmates one by one, uncovering potential motives as each tells their version of what happened that night, and it all culminates in the shocking truth. And the little twist here is it was uh, created and produced by Christopher Miller and Phil Lord, who did uh, 21 Jump Street, the Lego movie, Lego Batman, and each episode is a different film or television-style when that suspect tells their story. So, for example, Ben Schwartz plays a character named Jasper. His version of the events is like High School Musical. And then you have um, Alana Glazer, who plays a character named Chelsea, and her version is a psychological thriller. And by the end, uh, Tiffany Haddish's character, Detective Danner, and her partner, uh, played by John Early, sort of work through everybody's contradicting stories and come to the truth of who actually... Uh, killed uh, one of the people at this party. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in general, what were your thoughts about the after parties? Nine episodes. What did you think? It was okay, just okay. I kind of wish it was a little wackier or a little bit over the top um, with the comedy, especially considering the group of people that we're dealing with, who are all like improv, oh, yeah. really high comedy type of people. Um, the first episode was very promising and then it just kind of like starts going up and down all over the place, um, between it being a gimmick. I just felt like it didn't go as far as I wanted it to. Um, it didn't mean that it was like bad and that you should disregard it. I think it's just, I think I was also put out a little bit because, um, so all these characters are supposed to be like a few years younger than me, but there are actors that were like obviously older than I was. <laughs> I think most of them are around the right age. There's a few supporting characters that are a little older, but Ike Barinholtz plays one of them, and he was born in 1977, and he's supposed to be playing a 32-year-old. Yeah, and that was that put me off. Having like, known him from Mad TV, I was as soon as I saw him in the show playing a 32-year-old, I was like, okay, this guy was. An established adult when I was in high school, I feel like, or in college or something. Yeah, he he's just like yeah, forty five or something. Yeah, so and just, he's not a believable thirty two year no, old at no, all. No, it's not as if he's been ta- well taken care of or anything. I kind of also wish that there had been more John Early in it. The uh, yeah, I, I felt as if like he wasn't like 
but again, he was just playing this role of supposed to be like this anxious guy, and he does anxious very well. But I just, I almost crave just a little bit more of like his weirdness. The role he was cast in was, I don't think, ever meant to be a comedic role. He was, it was very much a straight man role. Yeah, he's a detective who's here to solve the murder, and I think it's if you didn't know who John Early was, it wouldn't stand out. But being that John Early is one of our favorite comedians. <laughs> And you should watch he and Kate Berlant's special on Peacock oh, called. That's so uh, good. It's called. Um, Would it kill you to laugh? Would it kill you to laugh? Yes. <laughs> it's only one episode. It's just an hour of your it life. It is one of the few. But it's that, so like, good. I wanted a series. Again. Yeah. Like it was. Um, he is. He and Kate Berlant. Google or go to YouTube. Search John Early, Kate Berlant, and you can thank us later. Uh, he's so good. But yeah, this role just wasn't the kind of role I would have cast him in. Yeah. Because I don't think it plays to his strengths. He's not bad. He's just not memorable if this was the only time you'd ever seen him. Yeah, I like uh, Tiffany Haddish. I think she was great. It's probably the best performance I've seen out of her so uh, far. Or other, other than um, that movie we can't remember with Eric Andre. I thought she was good in that. Yeah, no, I mean, like, typically, like, in any comedy stuff, I always tend to enjoy her. Because I feel like she just seems like she's having a blast in well, this, everything. This was, in. it wasn't because of her comedic chops, but I felt like she walked a really good line between comedy and drama in this. She, and she's, she's very not, charming. She's not meant to be the character you're, that's going to make you laugh the most. Yeah. And so she plays that role so well. Of She has her funny moments. There's a whole episode where it's her flashback about become, uh, being a cop and becoming a detective. Yeah. That's played like a, a cop show. Yeah. And so that's where her comedic chops get to shine. But for the most part, she plays the perfect, like, detective character. Yes. Um, Sam Richardson, who, if, I would say, once again, this is another example of, if this is the only time you've ever seen Sam Richardson... You will think he's okay. You'll think, eh, he's fine. Watch Detroiters. Like, yes, it's another comedic talent. He was on Veep. Like, oh, yes, he Veep. Like a, he's like, so he's good. He's so good Richard, right? Yes. Uh, and it's, but this is... <laughs> Sorry, I started laughing just thinking about, like, the weirdness that he does. Like, his comedic timing is so fucking good. Yeah, because he plays that lovable nerd very well, and I do love it in this one. It's like, oh, you're supposed to be dorkable, right? And he's sort of like, what? Yeah, and I'd say this is, he's playing a much more straight man character than we've seen him previously, because in Veep and in Detroiters, he's able to be a complete, like, goofball, Yeah, and it works for the character. Here he's meant to play a more grounded character, and we don't get as much of that, and that's where I feel like the tone of the show really... I couldn't ever latch onto it because it was attempting to be this high-concept gimmick, right, that feels over the top. Yeah. But the show, like, won't go over the top? I think it's also, like, they they could have just played also with the timing. I think we have seen shows that now don't give a fuck how long the episode is. Yeah. Like, they'll make it shorter, longer. Like, I think Atlanta was doing that. It'd be like, yes. they were just like, this one will be an hour, this one will be, like, 30 minutes. And if you have streaming, just let them do that. Yeah, you don't have to follow the TV model. at first, like, the first episode or two is really strong because there's, like, there's one moment that it's, like, a noir, black and white, like, uh, movie of sorts because they're asking... The girl with the glasses. I forgot her name. Oh, yeah. There's a... She's sort of like a theater art kid. Uh, yes, Indigo. Indigo. And it's not even, like, a whole episode. It's just, like, a segment. Yes, and I wish that there'd been a little bit more of that, of them playing with different genres of sorts. They... 
Because the, well, the genres that they do are, um, let's see, there is uh, the musical we mentioned. Yes. Uh, Ike Barinholtz's character does like an action movie. Like uh, Fast and Furious yeah. family. Yeah, Ilana Glazer's character Chelsea is the sort of psychological thriller, which I thought was the weakest episode. I did not like that one yeah. very much. Um, you have uh, Zoe Chow, who plays Zoe. Um, does an animated one, which yeah. was interesting because I didn't expect that. Yeah, that one was at the least like... My favorite one and my favorite actor in this whole thing was Jamie Demetrio as Walt. And his episode is like a high school comedy, but the Walt character is, the f- I think, the funniest thing in the show. He's the guy nobody remembers from high school. Mm-hmm. And in the flashbacks of the reunion, he's always there. There's an episode, his episode, that flashes back to this very pivotal... St. Patrick's Day week, party. weekend party, which is such a weird holiday to have a party on, where it's being thrown at his house, but everyone keeps saying it's Brett's uncle. And, the, and they even thank Brett for the party. Yeah, they party. thank Brett for the party. And he's like, okay. Yeah, he doesn't understand what they're talking about. You're welcome. But Jamie Dimitri, he's a British actor. Uh, I only know him from like promos I've seen at the end of BBC shows. He was on Fleabag, like briefly. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a, such a small role. And he plays it's a show called staff let's flats and he plays like a realtor and i've only seen like little clips from it and it seems fairly funny i know he was also had a small role in cruella but the more i can forget about that film the better (laughs) um and so he's he plays this character so well who is he's both desperate for people to just acknowledge he exists yeah but all terrible at it and also has terrible timing Every time he's about to do something that he thinks is going to, like, this is going to wow people, like karaoke at the reunion, or he's going to streak at the party, a major thing happens that just undermines his plans. Mm-hmm. And the best thing about it is he just sort of reacts with this pitiful, like, sort of, oh, okay. <laughs> just like, he's going along with it. What is he supposed to do? So there's never, like, anger. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it such a great comedic character is the reaction you would expect is he's eventually going to snap, right? Or you think he has to be the killer, right? But it's just, he plays it as like, well, this is the way my life has been, so I'll just try again another time. Yeah, and like, we also forgot one uh, genre, which was like romantic comedy, which was like a niece. Oh, it was like the very first episode, yes. yeah. Um, but it's it's one of those... One of those. Uh, it's 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 a show that I feel like people who don't consume as much media as we do would like. Because, for example, like I think about um, like Shit's Creek, mm-hmm. and I like it, but not enough to reconsume it. Like some people that I've met that will make it their idea. People like love The Office. Yeah, people who love comfort shows. This is okay. Like and it's weird because it's like it just seems like a cozy crime murder shows mystery are yeah. becoming a thing again yeah. because you know you have the only murderers in the in, in the, the building, building yeah which I think have, this I don't this is, I don't this know is, about the production but this is a response to yeah that. it feels like it, it was felt probably like made. Apple TV was like we need something it, it was a very it. COVID show in that it's the same group of people every episode. Yeah, and so they're and they're mostly in this one one or two settings. Yes, so. It and it, but it's one of the few COVIDy shows that works mm-hmm. with that premise. It doesn't feel like, oh, we've contrived this reason why no one else is around. It's like, well, it all takes place at one night at this party, 
And so, yeah, okay, so it makes sense why we're all in this one location most yeah, of the time. Yeah, I think it's also, I, I do not know if someone who listens to, to this show of, what, the six people that do? <laughs> That's a very generous audience <laughs> estimation. Um, of anybody who's just like, yeah, I would, I wanted to go to, like, my, you know, my high school reunion I, I I have no nostalgia for, for those days. None whatsoever. I can tell you I would not attend my high school reunion. Well, that's because you go see your mom. <laughs> yeah, I, I was homeschooled. I was homeschooled. So, like, when I get together with my siblings, it's like a high school reunion every time, right? <laughs> In fact, you're having a high school reunion. Yeah, my, well, hey, we have a special guest coming. We don't want to ruin it. Um, but, yeah, it's... It, it's one that I, just, I don't know who is exactly it for kind of thing. Because, I don't know what it's aiming towards. Because I'm someone who would say, like, I love John Early. Uh, I appreciate Ben Schwartz. I don't necessarily <laughs> He's a little too theater kid sometimes. Um, like, Dave Franco is in it. And I think Dave Franco's consistently pretty funny. But I wasn't in... I didn't feel like, oh, I really want to binge this show. Yeah, like Alana Glazer after like that, what was it, Expecting, or was it like that one film that we watched was just so bad? Yeah, it was. Uh, it's one of our episodes of our podcast, if you <laughs> yes. want to go back. Uh, she was started, it was a, a film about maternity and pregnancy, Yeah, it was, and it was she not, wrote it, and it was awful. And it like in really this bad. one, it was just more like a Broad City type character. And I think it was a little different. It was a little bit more toned down. She's the popular girl whose reputation got ruined and even as an adult it's hung with her and so there were the waltz episode with the high school party i loved her in that where you see the moment her reputation is ruined i felt she was more sympathetic and interesting in that episode than she was in any other episode of the show and like when they did the flashback that's when you are like you can be most impressed with the actors because their body language changes like the dave franco especially as xavier yeah he feels like an awkward weird teenage kid and like their their postures they do their hair different the clothes it's not to the point that you're just like because a lot of times you see it and you're like you should have just gotten uh, younger actors and this one it kind of fit and again i wish it was kind of sillier but they 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 like they don't play this caricature yeah they just like they're just kind of like kids that are mumbling through not knowing what's going to be important to them. I do love that Anique's reason that he doesn't hook up with Zoe. I thought at first it was just going to be like, oh, Brett just come in and just took Zoe away. It's like, no, he realized, oh, I'm going to Stanford. She's going to, uh, like, that um, RISD school. like like, The Rhode Island Island. School of Design. Yes, she's going there. We're going to be fall apart. And they're the same, like, city slash state he has no yeah he's like i don't have any chance so i need to let her be around someone who she's gonna see on a regular basis and when it really brett, then brett the, is a piece of shit but yeah brett is just a piece of trash and the things that she learns about her ex-husband like they're, I can't imagine them ever having a relationship after that. Know. Like built he, on lies. they yeah. do a good thing of showing that he does apologize, but it's not as if the relationship is going to come back together, um, kind of thing. It's just 
Yeah, I love that the Mr. Shapiro I don't remember ever seeing. <laughs> like, no, he's there. Yeah there's, yeah, there's a teacher who hooks up with one of the now 32-year-old students, yes. of course, which is weird, and it's a very minor thing in the background, but it's just like, oh, okay. Um, but then uh, there was an ep- the final episode features almost like a children's movie version yeah. of what happened. I won't say why it does that, but I thought that was clever. Yeah. There's a lot of things in it where I go, that's clever, but it's not necessarily funny. I think it just needed to be tightened up a little bit. It also just needed to be, like, silly. But at, there are times that it was just missing. Like, I thought I would laugh more at the musical part, but I didn't because it was... and. I think because Ben Schwartz can be a little much sometimes. <laughs> yeah, he can be, but I feel like if you're going to let him be too much, let him go all out. because That's true. They do restrain out, him. When he goes all out, that's when he's the funniest. When he's fully admitting that he's gone too. Because if you listen to like his episodes of Comedy Bang Bang, that podcast, yes, because the he's not limited there, and it's just him and Scott Ackerman solo bolos, the solo bolos that they do, yeah, where he it's just chaotic, and I think Ben Schwartz is his best when he is chaotic, yeah, and so when you try to make him adhere to a script. And something that's trying to be a comedy, but also a real murder mystery, you're wasting your money on hiring him because you're not getting the full Ben Schwartz experience. Yeah, because he does do, like, he did that musical podcast where he does, like, musicals. It was improv musicals. He's great at it. And, like, if you let him go over the top silly, then you could start laughing at it. But, But I mean, that's the same thing about, like... your only exposure to Ben Schwartz is this. Yeah. You haven't seen his improv special. You haven't seen his stand-up. You're just going to be like, oh, he's a guy who sings. John Early, Ben Schwartz, and uh, Sam Richardson. Like, all three of them, I don't think this is anywhere close to their best work. Yeah, but... But it's not Sam, bad. Yeah. But, yeah. Sam Richardson, I think he still shines. I think This is his shines. opportunity to become a leading man, I yes. think. Yes. But I think they didn't let him also be as weird because like when he goes around explaining a game that he's doing in order that to was, try That was good. That like when he overanal and he starts explaining it, that is such a key moment yeah. of his personality. So yeah, the premise is <laughs> that uh in order he needs to see people's signatures. Because he had something written on his face while he was passed out drunk and he wants to figure out who did it. So he comes up with this uh, conceit that he wants to play a party game. This is after the murder has occurred <laughs> and the police are questioning people. So he goes around and he goes, oh, to play the game, you just need to write the word diarrhea down. And by the time he gets to the last person, it's implied that he's actually constructed a whole like mechanic system for this game. <laughs> and he's like, I think this is actually a pretty good game. And like Those were the moments where the show really worked. Like you yeah. were saying, it... It was leaning into the absurdity of the situation and yeah. finding comedy in it. And there weren't cons- there weren't a lot of consequences for the things that people did, which is yeah for me at times. Like, there's never like what that was really fucked up. We shouldn't. Ne- you should have never done that. It's more like ah, okay. And if the thing is, you're not going to provide consequences, then lean hard into the comedy because you're introducing a world that's absurd. Yeah. So that's, yeah, it felt very unsure of itself. And compared to other Lord and Miller productions, like I was saying, 21 Jump Street or Lego Movie, that they lean into how ridiculous this is. Well, I think it also has to do with how much time that they have because they only have a limited time with the movies. They didn't treat this like a long movie. They just treated it like a show. Like a murder mystery, yeah. And there it felt a little flat because it's if they just wanted to make... they. 
They were cradling you into their hands and going, see, this is what this is about. We're going to do a twist suit and you're never going to figure out who did it, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, they still need to be like, there needs to be different set of emotions and there has to be like silliness and like all that other stuff. Um, now, I don't know if there's plans for a second season. The way it ends, I can't imagine there would be. Yeah. Um, do you think a second season of something like this would even work? Ah, uh, no. Because, like, would you be using the same set of people? Or would it be, like, Tiffany Haddish is there just asking questions? Well, I'm just there will be a second season. What? Yeah. What? I, I don't know. <laughs> it's that Tiffany Haddish is going to be reprising her role, so I think... It's they may lean into it as like an, a comedy anthology is what I would suspect. Yeah, where she's almost like a Knives Out kind of a thing. Yeah, I mean, I would which want, could work. I mean, I would want to see it to see if they just got stronger on the way that they're doing stuff, and then see how they do it again. Like, what different formats are they going to do? Because you can't just stick to the movies. And that's also a very paper thin gimmick in my opinion because it's once you get over the oh that looks like that you're kind of like i need a good story and characters though you can't just keep leaning into oh what's the next episode gonna be uh there's a point that like they're trying to listen into what's going on and i really when you say they you're talking about who um anique and jasper are trying to listen jasper with a y that's a point in the show yes um i would have really loved it had they been like I don't sound like that. Like someone like like mimicking them. There are only parts that like someone gets really weird during their interview is Zoe. The animated one. Yeah, she's standing up like talking to herself. And that was a good, like I thought that was a good moment. She was very good, yeah. She was able to shine a little bit, especially with Tanafi Haddish like staring her down like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm talking to myself. She's like, is that necessary? I think that was the episode that integrated the gimmick and the story and the acting the best. Yeah. Because it's absurd that she's doing what she's doing. Yeah. And the show is like, yeah, we're not going to pretend that it's not. Um, but yeah, it's. I'll be interested to see what the second season is. And if they make the comedy a little stronger, that would be my hope. Is and please, also, like, please. would John Early still be her partner? I mean, it would make sense, I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you've seen the after party and you have thoughts that you'd like to share with us, maybe there were things that we missed you you think we should have talked about, uh, check out the show notes for a way to share your thoughts. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Pop Cult Podcast. Uh, make sure to check out the show notes for any links or reviews on our blog that go along with the topics we spoke of. That blog is popcult.blog. And if you want to read reviews of things throughout the week, we're putting things up every other day and twice on weekends. Uh, You can also make sure to subscribe to be notified wherever it is you listen to this podcast so that you'll know when our new episodes are up. Uh, Over on the blog, we've got uh, some things going on. Right now, we've been doing a disillusionment of the 1970s series, looking at American films that were kind of speaking to the disaffected nature of people in this environment. Uh, uh, Coming up soon, we'll be doing our 21st Century Scorsese series, 
and that'll be followed by Capitalism on Film, which we're watching movies for that. Why do you keep revealing yourself as this radical? I don't care. <laughs> uh, yesterday, we watched um, Paul Schrader's Blue Collar. Yes. What do we think, real quick? Uh, it was a great movie. Very great movie. Very interesting ending. What a twist. What a twist. Um... I also want to point out that you can also support this blog and uh, podcast on Patreon with lots of rewards and goals. And speaking of rewards, right now, we have a giveaway that's going on. If you join the Patreon before August 31st, uh, your name will be entered into a drawing for a movie. That can either be a physical copy of the movie or a digital code. Uh, it cannot be a film that's out of print, and it needs to be a movie that I have watched and reviewed sometime this year, here in 2022, from January to July. So anything there that's available, uh, you can win. Uh, how you win is you join the Patreon at our $3 focus group or higher level. And on the 31st, I'm going to put all those names into a randomizer, draw one, and they're going to win. I'll get in contact with the winner. Uh, you must be a resident of the United States due to shipping and all those things. Uh, we'll be using an American-based Amazon account, so I can only ship uh, to people who live in the States. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, and so we hope that you, you will, because if you do join the Patreon, you get all kinds of other benefits, including if you join at the $10 or higher level, you get to pick a movie every month for me to watch and review. I also want to give a shout-out to those patrons, Becca and Matt, who are at that $10 writer's room level, uh, for their consistent support. They really help make the blog better. Some very interesting movie choices. I know Matt's pick for this month is uh, uh, Tarkovsky's Solaris, which I'm looking forward to. It's been one of those movies on my list of I need to watch this movie. Uh, Becca's pick, on the other hand, <laughs> is... Uh, the Cabbage Patch Kids screen test, which is like a 30-minute direct-to-video thing. It is available on YouTube. So I'm looking forward to watching that and seeing what the hell I can extrapolate from it. Uh, but yeah, uh, we hope that you will enter that contest by joining the Patreon and possibly get to win a free movie. Right now, there's only two patrons. So you could pay three bucks and win like a $20, $30 movie on DVD. It's a yep. pretty, I think it's pretty good. It's a pretty good deal. Uh, so until next time... We hope you keep watching.